69, dudes! Welcome back to Geek Life, the indie comics podcast on Pandamega.com. I'm your host, JP. With me, as always, are my fearless co-hosts, Joe. Sometimes I feel like a nut. Sometimes I don't. Marcus. Howdy ho! And back with us, previous co-host, now visiting expert, The Brian. Break yourself, bulls! <laughs> yeah, for those of you that have been with us from the beginning, you will know that Brian was the original co-host, the only co-host. And then Joe stepped up and in and on things, and that didn't work. And it squished. <laughs> <laughs> Joe stepped up, and uh, but so here we are. We've got uh, every co-host there ever was. Oh, wow. It's like a, room. like a reunion. It's like a, it is like a reunion. <laughs> We're getting the band back together. Yeah, buddy. So it's good to have Brian back in the studio. So thanks for coming back. And uh, carpooling with me? No problem. It's great to be back. I was going to say thanks for coming out, but yeah. <laughs> but I drove your ass. We need to hang Is it not freezing right now? It's so cold right now. I'm going to push the microphone over with my nipples. <laughs> getting dangerous. In I here. don't know what you guys are talking about. This is perfect for me. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, you need you do need to move to Washington. Then. Yeah, yeah. Is it? Well, I'm Norwegian. So. Oh, well, there that. Speaking oh. of Norwegian, <laughs> today's comic, we're going to be talking about DOS. Now, before we get into this, I just want to gush a little bit. This is probably one of the coolest experiences that you can have when you are on the internet doing things, talking about stuff. When someone out of the blue contacts you and says, hey, what's up? Here's some stuff. Check it out. And that's exactly what happened with DOS. So DOS. Internet thing. Internet <laughs> Minor internet celebrities. Oh, right. No, actually, so I got an email a couple of uh, weeks back from John Jampley. Now, John wrote and illustrated DOS, spelled D-A-S-S, all capitalized. <laughs> DOS! DOS! Uh, you have DOS. to shout it. Every time, DOS boot? I know, every single yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I first thought. I know. No, what's funny is, is whenever you see something capitalized, you know, on the computer from... Instant messaging, an unreasonable amount as a young boy. <laughs> Capitalization oh, is yelling. And so I see that. I'm like, DOS! Like, every time I read it, DOS! <laughs> so, anyway. Capitalization is yelling. Our grandma doesn't know how to turn caps lock off. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Which is basically yelling. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, so DOS. DOS is a amazing comic. You can pick it up on any iOS device. That as long as it's running iOS 7. That's true. Yes. Unfortunately... You need to have the most recent version of, at the time of this recording, the most recent version of the iOS. And unfortunately, that can be challenging because it's like really huge because it was a big update. And so Joe wasn't able to get it on his device, which is too bad. Yeah. But <laughs> my phone is too small for the update. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of phone do you have? Uh, iPhone 4. Oh, wow. Yeah, I but it's a six gigger, so yeah. it's full of things and not enough space. I mean, the update itself is several gigs on its own. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a big update. Interesting. I only have like a half page of apps, like eight apps, and I <laughs> wow. didn't have enough room for the update. Yeah. So they sell an iPhone that's only six gigs. Yeah, surprisingly. Well, they gave it to me for a dollar when I re-upped my contract. Yay. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, so, so unless, my unless you can't update your iOS device to iOS 7, then you can find this on the App Store for any iOS device. And all you have to do is type in D-A-S-S, -S, and it comes up with this, like, adorable little, like, you know, I almost want to look like a, like a little wooden stamp or something of Pedradas. It was like Santa Claus. Yeah. To me. So, so what is DOS? Except he fights the Yule Wraiths. So, so it's, it's spelled P-E-T-T-E-R, so Petter, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, so who is Petter Doss, you ask? Petter Doss was a Lutheran clergyman 
and the foremost Norwegian poet of his generation, writing both Baroque hymns and topographical poetry. But in this comic, he is also a wizard battling against witches, demons, and trolls, all set in the beautiful Nordic countryside. All right. And I say it like that because this comic was awesome. <laughs> yes. I really enjoyed yeah, so this. So there's one. I I didn't realize there was backstory to this guy. I thought that it was just oh, yeah. Yeah, so, so Brian, made up. Brian, who is the repository of information and evidently not useless facts because he knew this guy when we yeah. first brought it up. <laughs> I, I knew of him, but I didn't know much about him. So Brian, fill us in yeah, on, on the real Petr Doss. I'm gonna get some learnings here. Okay, so he was a Lutheran clergyman from the mid to late 1600s. Like John said, he was one of the foremost poets of his generation. It's kind of an interesting thing. I think they say it in the comic how he kind of goes around to various places because his parish was actually a whole bunch of different fishing villages in a wide around space. So you could actually have like different epic events and episodes per I mean, totally brilliant character yeah. to choose for this kind of yeah, a thing. Yeah, because, I mean, well, here's the thing. According to Wikipedia, there are a bunch of different folklore about him. One of them is that he tricked the devil to carry him on his back to wherever to give a sermon to the king. I'm getting less and less <laughs> impressed with the devil. Like, I know someone beat him with a fiddle competition, too. <laughs> Come on, man. He's really dropping the ball. <laughs> he is kind of legendary in that area. When he passed away, the sailors basically wore black for about 100 years afterwards in mourning of his death. So um, he was an important person in yeah, that world, wow. definitely. You know, very, very important. It could very well be like the beginning of goth. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the, beginning, out. it's the beginning of something, as we find out on the very last page, a little bit of troll lore, that this story is why trolls hate Christians. <laughs> <laughs> and the smell of Christian blood. Fee, fi, fo, fum. They're all done. No, that's all you get. It's all they got. <laughs> Sorry, man. Anyway, so Petr Doss in this story is not just a poet and clergyman, but he is also a completely badass wizard with like steampunk goodies and magic hammers. And it, was that Mjolnir, you think? I think so. It looks yeah. like it. Yeah, mm -hmm. It's pretty awesome. He also has a talking book. Yeah, but it, it, it speaks German. It's a black book, though. Yeah. Right. It's, it's like uh, so there's more. I mean, there's got to be more coming. So so here's the deal. The DOS comic app actually has just the first of what will be several issues. And you'll be able to purchase more issues as they come out in app. This first issue included in the app is $1.99. Very inexpensive, totally worth the price of admission. It's a full 20 pages. It's a really good comic. I enjoy the heck out of it. That's a better price than you can get in any comic shop. Oh, yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. And it was like really quality. It had an interesting story, really great art. I mean, it's just mm -hmm. just really quality work. And so to get something like that, that is independent and still pay less than you normally would for your run of the mill, you know, big two comic, it's kind of awesome. So I'm really looking forward to more from these guys and the future stuff. So let's talk about this first issue. Let me say really quick that it's also nice that on the app, I mean, when we look at comics that are online, I don't care how fast your internet connection is, sometimes comics lag, like big time, depending on what server they're on. Sure. It was nice that on this app, it was just flick 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 and just page after page and there was no lag yeah. whatsoever so it, it is nice it is a challenge that we run into a lot of the time when you're looking at web comics because you have to wait for it to load exactly and it is such a fragmented experience because sometimes you have fast page loads sometimes you don't even on our own website pandamanga.com 
Sometimes I go there and look through comics and it's fast and no problem. And sometimes it's slower and it's just, there's so many factors that go into how quickly you receive your information, you know, on the internet that it's just, it's an inconsistent experience. It's an imperfect experience. And so having it all down and ready and, you know, streamlined an app is pretty sweet. Have you guys ever reviewed an app, an app comic before? Is this the first time? We have not reviewed an app comic before. We've oh, reviewed other apps. Chair in a big bad way. He is. It's, mm. it's really, it's very, very cool. I'm glad that John came to us with this because it's really a neat a neat comic, and I think it's a cool format. And other than the fact that you have to have the most recent OS to get to it, mm. and you know, I doubt that that's something that they chose because the app doesn't seem like it's using a bunch of really complex. No, it's you need to update for you know to be able to use kind of features. Yeah. No, it, it uses just seems... everything that the like the Mac PDF reader does. Right, and so I, I think it's probably something more on Apple's end that requires them to Natural. you know do that. Just because everything in the App Store, it, it's all about like you have to have be updated to the most recent stuff because you know every because they're jobs. Well, but every big company has a big hard on for making sure everybody has the most recent updates because it means that all of the security backdoors are closed, everything is changed. There's a much less fragmented experience, the user side. Like there's just so many good reasons for them to have everybody using the same operating system or same version of the operating. system system that it's kind of a, a big push so again you know it being an app it's a little harder than just picking up a pdf from online or you know flipping through a comic book and so i personally i would love to have like a paper copy of this but it is cool to be able to have it on an app because i would argue that being able to have an app that is specifically created to, to read your comic is probably the best way to read a comic digitally i Instead want of having a poster a, of the cover of episode right? one right Right. And we'll get into the art as soon as we get uh, to that section. But I wanted to talk about the story first. So any other any other thoughts before we jump into the story, you guys? Before we jump into the story? Before we jump into the story. No? All right. Nah. Okay. All right. I'm excited. So this first issue is titled Das and the Trena Ogre. Now, he, he calls the ogre a troll a couple times in the comic, mm -hmm. but on the cover it says ogre. So I'm guessing that we're just going to kind of use that interchangeably. I'm sure that somebody who's like a lore freak would probably... Be like, eh, 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 no, this is this and that is that. But, you know, I think in the context of this review, I think that's we're just trolls are ogres and ogres. Or, yeah, we'll just go there for that. Okay. What if that was intentional or if you just like to hell with continuity? Let's see what we can do. You know, I don't know. I don't really know. I mean, maybe hey, it's its own lore. So why not? And maybe it's like rectangles and squares. You know, and I think that it also could be a translation thing. You know, oh, yeah. you may tra you may not, like not translate the title, but then translate everything else. And I don't really know. I think that there are definitely some cultural things. As much as I enjoyed this comic, I'm sure I would have enjoyed it and appreciated it even more if I grew up in Norway and appreciated really who he was and how kind of impact he had on the culture and then also some of the you know traditional folklore stuff that they draw yeah. upon. I mean, I oh. know a lot about this stuff just because I watched this Troll Hunter movie and I also have friends who are <laughs> obsessed with you know all things sort of supernatural. Oh yeah, a couple of other things about Petter Doss. Speaking mm. of like your thought of you would probably appreciate him more if you were in Norway. So a lot of he wrote a lot of hymns that are still sung mm -hmm. to this day in a lot of the Lutheran churches, probably some other denominations as well. And his most famous poet work is called The Trumpet of Nordlands. I tried to check it out, but I could only find it if I bought it and I am way too cheap to buy that. Well the mention that he did not just Baroque hymns, but topographical poetry. If you're not familiar with what topographical poetry is, that's poetry specifically talking about and typically praising a land or scenery or area. And so to me, that says that he had a great love for Norway and the North and that place in particular, enough to the point where he felt like the scenery was something that he could write beautiful poetry about. So 
Interesting. And if it's this? not Baroque, don't fix it. Uh, <laughs> but um, I take some cues from uh, <laughs> uh, the Beauty and the Beast. Can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what did you guys think of the story? Very interesting concept. Yeah, it was yeah. really interesting. I love the idea that he, you know, in life would actually travel from place to place, and that that's a great way for him to kind of go on his journeys. This definitely feels like a prologue. You know, yeah. I get the feeling that the young boy that he kind of picks up and has help him when he's dealing with his troll. That's going to be his new sidekick. Yeah, yeah. That I bet the kid will show up ongoingly and maybe apprentice with him or something. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I kind of feel like it could go in the way of and I don't want to kind of make it sound cheap or anything, but kind of like an Adventures of Hercules or those sorts of 90s fantasy serials where it's just them showing up at a town. Things are going weird. No, you know, episodic, the kid. Yeah. yeah, because I'd totally be down for that. Yeah. Well, the thing is that he preached at like nine or more different towns in like small fishing villages and stuff in an area. So you could literally have him travel to each place and solve an issue and you would have nine issues right there. So before we get any further into critiquing the story, let's just give a general overview of what happened in the story. So, Joe. All right, so Petardas shows up to the first of his fishing villages. Mm-hmm. In the Traina village, right? Traina, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he's been summoned by the townsfolk because they have an ogre problem. He's been eating their livestock and their men, most recently. And they thought that their men could deal with it, but no, it's just way too much. They call Petardas. He shows up very stoic just stares at them while they recount this like whole story then bursts out with a bring me two sheep and a little boy <laughs> and somebody to carry it <laughs> i need two sheep and a little boy isn't that how the michael jackson story? <laughs> well he doesn't ask for a little boy he asks for somebody to help him carry stuff. he's a, he's a yeah. Yeah, strong man and they're like we'll give you a child instead yeah well we don't have any more strong men they all got eaten yeah, yeah he's like we'll give you this annoying child who plays the fiddle terribly so essentially he takes this child and goes off and confronts the troll that has been terrorizing Trainin. One of the things that I thought they did really well was within the first two pages, he did a great job of communicating how much of a boss Petter is, mm-hmm. right? In the first two pages or so, you have some dialogue, some kind of like narration that says, all could not be as it should be in Trainin, since they had to call none other than Petter Doss. So it's like, you gotta, you, they're already like communicating that he is the big guns. Yeah. And then they come in and he comes across these these three sort of rickety old ladies. And, you know, they say basically he crosses you know, we should like basically a sea or an ocean in a rowboat. Right. Just like, like, a, like a boss. And he comes up to the women and they say, we thought we could handle all this looniness ourselves. You know, we try to have our men deal with this, but we should, we should have just sent from you earlier. Yeah. We should have just called for you earlier. Uh, Sir Doss. Right. So then even though they're honorific, Sir Doss. And so very quickly it establishes who he is. There's mm. no sort of ambiguity. He's a bad mother. Shut your mouth. mouth. I'm just talking about Petter Doss. <laughs> I can <laughs> we dig can it. dig it. Uh, the, uh, one, there's, so, there's a lot of humor in this, I found. Oh, I yeah. think that one of the things that I really had a crack up of just right in the beginning is when he's standing there talking to the three women, and then two of them are being like really respectful and talking to him, being like, here's what's going on, and this is really crazy, and we really should have called you first, Sir Doss, and nah, nah, nah. And then there's one lady who's got like this crazy cross-eyed look. She's not even looking at him, and she's like riding on a pig. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, she'd be crazy. <laughs> Doesn't oh. she offer up the pig or something as a way to carry stuff? No, she's the one I think that she just mentions, kinda... uh, Ed, take the fiddle kid. 
Nobody uh, likes him. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, they they think that the the kid is so so bad at the fiddle that even the troll wouldn't eat him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and apparently he is really terrible because you're thinking like, oh, maybe they're just mean local wenches or whatever. Yeah. And they're just when being, you know. Petter comes up to him, he's like, put down those devil strings and come with me. <laughs> I think his exact words were, leave those strings of Satan and come oh. with me. <laughs> strings of Satan. <laughs> Reminds My me man. of a quote from the show House. It's like, this is brilliant. There's not a single redeeming note whatsoever. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that takes skill. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really liked how he, how he was able to trick the troll with the little boy. Because I was mm-hmm. thinking, as the boy is, because he basically sends the boy up on top of this giant, like, troll cave. And he's standing at the mouth of the cave, above the cave. And he has this... It's like a net. It's like a little net, like a fishing yeah, net. A and fishing I'm thinking net. to myself, like, this is a troll. This is not going to go well. <laughs> <laughs> but what he does is he tosses the net down there, and he says, oh, I see that you, you know, traveled a long way and through the ocean, and you must have caught a net on your ears, and, you know, would you would you like me to take that off for you before you eat me? And they go, well, well, okay, but, I mean, I'm still going to eat you. I'm still going to eat you afterwards. It's like, oh, of course. I mean, of course, of course you're going to eat me. <laughs> Actually, that happens... Like that's after after he already confronts it in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, he tries he, to lure it out into the sun, which yes. I thought was really slick. He's like, "Come and you know, show me your visage, and come out and face Let's me. Let's have a meal. I brought two sheep for you." Yeah, he's like, "Yeah, I'm you know of my you know benevolent intent. I'm coming and you know, give you these two sheep." And and the troll, like, which not they're not known for their stupid. smarts, we're not that stupid. Yeah. <laughs> so are, is there a thing with like trolls versus the sunlight? Yes, or? trolls yes. are turned to stone in sunlight. I did not know that. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, reference probably most popular popular culture reference to that is uh, Lord of the Rings, uh, the, the Hobbit. The Hobbit. Okay, remember how he's? Have you seen that one recently? No, I don't usually read books without pictures. No, no, the movie <laughs> came out recently. Ah, uh, no, no, right? no, no. You haven't was, seen the Hobbit? Well, epic fail. I heard that they said they were going to break it into multiple three parts, movies. So you're going to wait. Like, it's one book <laughs> into three movies. It didn't make sense to me. Like I understand if you're going to do um, like one book is too long, had to break it into two movies, maybe, but. The shortest of the Tolkien ones, and then like they broke it into. It was also a kid's book. It was also a kid's book, and then they were like, yeah, let's make it three. Well, I grew up reading The Hobbit, and they did a really good job. Yeah? Yeah, they did a really good job. And there's a lot of information and a lot of things that are just alluded to or sort of Mm -hmm. subtly mentioned in the book that they actually show you and go into more. And that information is available in all the appendices and the Cimmerillion, which deals digs deeper into Tolkien's world. And so it is a really... They're not just making stuff up and padding it. Like They actually are telling a really good vision of it. Was, Was Legolas in The Hobbit? Like he was Legolas there. wasn't, but his race, like where he came from, was. Hmm. So they were usually able to just be like, Orlando Bloom, yeah. join us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, the thing is, is that when he originally wrote The Hobbit, he had the concept basically for Lord of the Rings in mind, not like fully fleshed out, but he didn't really have the intentions of making it a continuation of The Hobbit. He just eventually decided, you know, maybe I should make this, you know, story this ring from this be the basically oh, MacGuffin. Ring, right. um, anyway, so okay, in popular so, culture, you can come across with The Hobbit, you'll come across Bilbo it basically gets captured by a couple of trolls and he tricks them into, you know, basically talks to them and tricks them into waiting around before they eat him until, until the, sun, the sun comes. Yeah. And then, then they all turn to stone. I'm learning so much in this session. I thought <laughs> his name was Peter the entire time. So I was like, oh, <laughs> Peter Doss, all right. That's interesting. But okay, so Petterdoss. Petterdoss. He's a real person. He's a real person. Trolls turn to stone. Trolls turn to stone. The Hobbit's not bad. No, the Hobbit's real good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, let's see. What else stood out to me story-wise? We had mentioned the book 
before and it kind of talking to him. Um, yeah, I want to know more about that. Yeah, mm. that makes it very interesting, which makes me very intrigued to go on further. Because the book seems like it speaks with some authority. It doesn't seem to be real respectful to him. And it speaks German. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, das! <laughs> because he's sitting alone on a log, and there's nobody there, but there's dialogue that's going on where he's talking to something. He's talking to the book, I think. In the description on iTunes, it actually says, In this series of graphic novels, we follow the Black Book Priest, Wizard, and Poet, Peter Doss. Yeah, so I didn't realize that it was the book that he was talking to. I wasn't I get the feeling that's what it was. Well, that's where the speech bubble was aimed. Okay. So that's typically a good indicator. Um, I also didn't get that, but as soon as you guys titled the book, it's like, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Because that scene was kind of like, who's he talking to? Well, no, when it tells the lightning down later, the book's freaking out, too. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, go, go. Yeah. <laughs> and the boy kind of comes up. He's like, who are you talking to? He's like, none of your business. So, yeah, it really kind of makes the, me intrigued. What the heck's going on? So either the book or he has multiple personality syndrome. <laughs> yeah, there's that too. True. That's possible. I do think, though, that if you guys are interested at all in this subject, dear listeners, you should definitely check out the movie Troll Hunter. It's a great movie. God, so good. Yeah, right? It's yes. one of, basically, it's a found footage sort of scary movie, except... Mockumentary. Yeah. And so, essentially, these guys go out and they're hooking up with this guy who thinks he's, a, or as far as they know, he thinks he's a troll hunter. And they go out into the forest looking for trolls with him. Sure enough, they find them. <laughs> and it's, it's, a, it's a really damn good movie. And there's a lot of found footage movies that are just kind of weak sauce, but this one is excellent. Yeah. Really, really Really excellent. amazing. And it's... You actually get a lot of sort of candid lore and mythology about trolls because they sit down like in this cafe after they actually run into a troll in the forest and are hanging out with the the troll hunter. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, they can smell Christian blood and, yeah, they, you know, sunlight will turn them into stone and this and that, you know, and if you cover yourself in their feces and they won't be able to find you and blah, 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 blah. And <laughs> That'll be a nice change of pace for me because the only thing I know about trolls was from Ernest Scared Stupid. Dude, it's such a good it's, – it's, <laughs> currently, currently at the time of this recording, you can watch it on Netflix. But you'll have to read it. Oh. Yes. It's a foreign film. <laughs> Marcus is really There are pictures that Cohen with it, though, so maybe I'll survive it. <laughs> yes. Mm. There are Mar- moving Marcus, pictures. Marcus likes pictures. to make pictures and, and words. He likes like to, to make comics, them. but he doesn't like to read them. He's like, no. No, if it's moving, if it's, if it's static pictures and words, okay. Yeah. But if those pictures are moving, oh, hell no. <laughs> hell no. I just want to know what they're saying. <laughs> anyway, so I, I do want to say one Where's final thing. Stone. The uh, uh, story-wise, I thought it was really cool how towards the end, it's kind of like, and this is why trolls hate Christians. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> After their, ca- I want to, I, I don't want to tell all the details of how they, how you know, their whole encounter and everything, mm-hmm. but it, it's pretty freaking rad. So, any other thoughts story-wise, you guys? Hammer of pure awesomeness. Hammer of pure awesome. Absolutely. I, I did not know when he started talking into the dark cave if it was going to be an army of trolls or one because they were, they were, they were very, talking like two. Yeah, yeah trolls a lot of the like time two. will have two heads. I, supposedly, based on my experience with Troll Hunter the movie, <laughs> the older they get, the more stuff they grow is what the movie said. Who knows if that's really true, but so far that movie steered me pretty well. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's I love it when when us just like, you know, American people get introduced to, you know, real foreign mythology. It's fascinating because, you know, we're pretty comfortable with the high fantasy Tolkienian kind of stuff. But when you run into things that do exist in books like The Hobbit, which is very popular, high fantasy kind of stuff, the benchmark, most people would say. 
But trolls aren't like he didn't come up with trolls. Trolls have a long, rich history elsewhere and have unique and interesting things that actually, don't fit into their world. Actually, almost everything Tolkien pulled out of uh, Norse mythology. Yeah. Yes. Elves, dwarves, trolls, dragons, everything. Yeah. Although Norse mythology is kind, were... of, kind of the best, like, yeah, period. Yeah. Pretty much. Although his elves were different, like, before that, they were kind of pixie, fairyish kind of creatures until he kind of introduced them as tall, slender, beautiful, immortal kind of creatures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that my education right now is going to be based off of three movies. <laughs> Scared Stupid, The Hobbit, and Troll Hunter. Or I could, you know, pick up a book, go, go but then to you'd have to read read something. <sighs> so final thoughts before we take a break about the story of DOS. Actually, in the very sorry, beginning. Sorry, of DOS! I can tell you in the very beginning, I was like, I'm not going to like this. But by the end of it, I was like, wasn't bad. I really enjoyed it. So um, well done on changing my mind. Really? So why in the beginning did you think you weren't going to like it? The language was throwing me off. Mm. Uh, the dialogue, because it's you know mm. that type of... It's kind of old-timey. Yeah. yeah. I, I was like, yeah. I, this is, I'm over it it's already. Like, but by the pe- time that I got to the last page, I was like, all right. It, it, it switched <laughs> You're gears. Like, more? Oh, more. Yeah. <laughs> Where's number two? <laughs> Where hast thou hidden the second issue? <laughs> so why don't we go ahead and take a quick musical break. When we get back, we'll get into the art of DOS. DOS! DOS! Back to Geek Life Podcast. We're talking about DOS, a great, great comic. It's actually an app form you can read on any iOS. But first, before we get back into the artwork of it, we're going to talk about audible.com. Yes. So Geek Life is sponsored by Audible. You can go to audibletrial.com forward slash geek life to get your free audiobook download and try one month of their excellent service. Along with that free audiobook, the entire month that you sign up, you will get 30% off of their whole catalog, which is massive and amazing and available on all kinds of different devices. Several of us subscribe and use it regularly love it a lot it's genuinely a good thing so the one that i wanted to recommend to you guys because hey you got a free audiobook but where do you start i mean it's over a hundred thousand books so my recommendation is this this is what i'm listening to this month marvel comics the untold story by sean howe narrated by stephen hoy so this is one that i had on my wish list for a while i tend to flip flop back and forth between novels and stories and stuff and then like informational stuff and this is this is my informational one that I'm doing right now. And it's awesome. It's really genuinely very fascinating. It's a lot of behind the scenes information about what it's really like working in the comics industry, especially in, you know, big, you know, through the big boom. Well, I mean, guess from, from the birth of Marvel, really, it starts all the way from the beginning. And so it's fascinating because it goes through the dark ages of the comics code and then all the way into, you know, the more successful ages that came after and all of the sort of confusing weird infighting stuff that went on and, and some real behind the scenes stuff about things and it really give, paints a, 
a pretty honest picture. Do they call it the Dark Ages of the Comics Code? No, but I think you, that's probably. I'm definitely yeah. not the first person who said that. No. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, I totally <laughs> understand where it's at. I just yeah. think it's funny that, like, the Dark Ages, when I think of them in terms of, you know, knights and castles and <laughs> the plague and whatnot, very, very bad stuff. But to us, the comic code was just horrible. It was horrible. The dark Ages. <laughs> um, they they were burning comic stuff. books. They were burning comic books. It was terrible. You couldn't do stories about vampires or zombies or the, the living dead or werewolves. And you could No, to the point, here's how bad the comics code. Have you ever actually read the comics code? No, I haven't. Here's how bad it is. You can't depict law enforcement in a negative light. Yeah, it basically tied the hands, and you basically had to have, like, squeaky clean, like, they, you know, they fart rainbows. Like, that was it. It was No, they weren't allowed to fart. Oh, right, yeah, because that would be, you know, not appropriate. Inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and, and the, the real sad thing, which I didn't learn from this, I learned from other books, but the real sad thing with the Comics Code was is that it basically was enforced by the Comics Code Authority, and so for it to get the Comics Code Authority stamp on it it basically had to go through approval with them so it wasn't so much that you had to meet the criteria you had to meet the criteria and the arbitrary off the books racist garbage that was going on behind the scenes also mm-hmm. like i can't remember what the book was but there was a really cool book that was essentially this spaceman that went to a different different oh, world yeah. and i want to say it was from like ec <clears throat> comics ec as in educational comics or eventually mm-hmm. enter- entertainment comics was it it was a really cool one that they did and essentially the spaceman he went to a different planet and was dealing with these two aliens and like some of the aliens were green and some of the aliens were blue but other than that they basically looked the same and there was this big bloody war and he finally flies away from the planet after the end of it pulls his helmet off and it's a it's an african-american guy and he's like man that was really terrible <laughs> you know and and it was just like this really powerful statement of just tolerance and that's the sort of stuff that got was like nope can't do black people in comics good god you know like so i mean but that's not the sort of thing that was on the comics code but because the office was so corrupt and jacked up it was like that so it was the dark ages of comics i see i see no <laughs> don't get me started on the comics code no plague but it was bad was there anything that you learned from this book like that was what was the most shocking thing that you've learned so far uh, one of the most interesting things that i learned so far was that the flow of how comics are made is not at all what you would expect because we think script then pencils then inks then whatever colors or whatever however else you render it beyond that and then you publish it well no a lot of the time the artists would go through and do the pencils and then you know in the margins write essentially the whole story and then send it in and then we get inked and, and sometimes they would ink it themselves but it was like it's so much more fragmented and it's almost like the cart before the horse a lot of the time. It's really strange. And then it's like so- how I write comics. <laughs> wow. Well, it's interesting because a lot of that came from just having to be really quick. And beyond that, some of it came from That's people not, not how getting along. Al- well, but but, <laughs> <laughs> but most interestingly, some of it came from people not getting along. You know, yeah. for the longest time, I want to say Ditko was doing Spider-Man, yeah? Mm-hmm. And he would pretty much do it himself by himself and drop them off. And then Stan Lee would come in and, like, adjust the dialogue and stuff. But it was pretty much just the Ditko show, wow. you know? I remember... And then, of course, Stan Lee would take a bunch of credit for things yes. that Ditko I... made. And then it was just... It was, yeah, it was so... It's just there's so much, like, like wow. It's very disillusioning, this book, learning about Stan Lee. Because, you know, you grow up and you're like, Stan Lee's the man. Stan the man, you know? Ugh. But mm-hmm. it's like I, I begin to realize the sort of, like, and agree with the, the more serious comic geeks like John Harder... Who's like, you know, man, it's all about Kirby. It's all about Ditko. Man, you know, like it's it's very interesting to really get the inside line on these these greats and how hard they worked. Pitting a real picture of the unbelievable work ethic 
of the classic comic artists and writers. It's unbelievable. There's actually a documentary. I don't know if it's still on Netflix Instant or not, but it's of Mutant and Monsters, and it's Kevin Smith interviewing Stan Lee. And so that sounds was, fascinating. It is. It's it's pretty fascinating. The interesting things that it, they go into, but like one of them is he talks about the fact of how comics weren't always done that way, how you were describing. And they did that to kind of speed up the process. And people were like, hey, I need work. I need work. It's like, well, send me to the damn things and I'll fill in the rest for you. you yeah, know? pretty much. Yeah. I mean, you know, it became kind of known as like the Marvel way. It's yeah. really, mm. you know, but it, it's like this weird disjointed process that's not at all how, how we're taught to do comics. That the logical process is you script it. And then you pencil it and then you blah, 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 blah. You know, it's not like that. It's it's all bass backwards because these guys are operating at such a high level that they're just like, wham. I mean, some guys would go straight to inks. Just absolute swinging balls, man. Just unbelievable. Swinging balls. <laughs> right. And then it took me a second, too. And you said bass backwards. I was like, wait a minute. Exactly. <laughs> he did something there with the words. What a clever guy. JP. Anyway, so so the recommendation for you guys to check out for your Audible book is Marvel Comics, colon, The Untold Story by Sean Howe, narrated by Stephen Hoyt. Very good. Totally excellent. Really enjoying it a lot. Definitely recommend it. And you, of course, can get it for free if you go to audibletrial.com forward slash geeklife. And we'll also put a link in the show notes at podcast.pandamanga.com for you guys to check that out. So we were talking about DOS. DOS. Yes. And DOS. the Ogre of Trena. We've talked about the story. Thumbs up. Pretty much all around the room. Yeah. Yeah. So how do we feel about the art? Slick. So good. Surprisingly Really slick. amazing. Actually, the cover the, art was unbelievable. So fucking epic. I yeah. love the cover art. I love uh, the first page when it's Dawson, he's colored. Mm -hmm. um, but beyond that, I had the same experience with the artwork that I had with the writing. Where I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like this. But by the end. Yeah, some of the character models were definitely a little different. They reminded mm -hmm. me of, I think it's like Kyriakos.net. It was something that we, Yeah. It was something we talked about as oh, a web yeah. spotlight back on episode 56. Mm -hmm. And had that kind of strange art. How do you do that? <laughs> wow, I'm impressed. <laughs> I'm like, it was on an episode, search for it, and Brian's like, this one. Episode 56 at uh, the 10 minute and 45 second point when we spoke about it. Yeah, it was our web spotlight, so it was... You're an animal. Um, <laughs> anyway, so Kyriakakis. Yeah, so there are some of the things where, like, you've got comics where you have kids and stuff, and the facial structures and that sort of thing were very, very similar to how this art style mm -hmm. was. I think the thing that, that you know, if we're going to talk about the things that we didn't like before we talk about things we did like, because completely, completely honest, there's a lot of things I did like a lot. Mm. The thing that I, I think had a similar sort of experience as you, Marcus, where I first saw it and I thought like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to enjoy the art style. Not that it wasn't skillfully made, but I was concerned I was going to enjoy the art style was when they did the close-ups of the old ladies. Yeah. And I was kind of like, that reminded me of like Ren and Stimpy where they would zoom in on a zit and it was just overly yeah. detailed. I think it was just kind of like, I do not too. need to know all the details of like yeah. grandma face from three inches away, you know? <laughs> I thought about that when I saw the pig. I was right. like, oh, that yeah, was just like disgusting. that. It was it's sort of like old, grossly detailed. Is, like, <laughs> is it weird? Like, lip to I, lip with the pig. Too, <laughs> I, I saw the, I saw the old ladies and I was like, oh, but I saw the pig and I was like, that's a lot of detail. Well done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was I was way impressed with the pig. The old lady is, oh, I don't want to see that. They're old. <laughs> I don't know. I just I think that there are times where DOS treads into almost a gross amount of detail, like an unnecessary amount of detail. And you know, that's that's a style choice. That's not anything good or bad. That's just a style choice. And I found myself originally feeling like, oh, boy, I'm not sure I'm going to like this. But by the end, I loved it, especially with the troll. 
the 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 detail that John puts into these comics is amazing. And I think that aside from the close-ups on the grandmas, <laughs> I was actually really thankful for that. I thought that the way that he rendered the backgrounds when he landed, right? Floats in on his little tiny boat from the sea, lands on, uh, you know, at the coast. And just the way that the sand and the foliage and everything is rendered, it's just, just amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really had like this emotion to it. You could feel like the wind was blowing the, you know, the grass and stuff. And it just was so lovingly, carefully rendered. It was really impressive. Yeah, I loved all the the upward angles of him to make him yeah, look more... I, that's yeah, the camera I mean. angles yeah. were so dynamic. That was something that I had in my notes. I was like, wow, the angles on this were so cool. So cool. They did a lot to make this very dynamic. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a lot of really sort of exciting, cool, and interesting uses of things. I noticed that a couple of times he would break out of the restrictions of the panels. If it's done skillfully, it's great. And it was done skillfully. You know, there are parts where part of a character, whether it's a sleeve or a pitchfork or a head or something, pops a little bit out of the panel and covers up the one above. Or even there's a point where there's a speech bubble or two that comes out and just sort of covers up another panel that it is not specifically referencing. And the nice thing about that that I've found from doing comics of my own is that when you try and squeeze everything inside the panels, it doesn't work sometimes because you end up having everything so little. Mm. There's something magical about comics where you can have that a little bit of bleed and layout from panel to panel that allows you to make the characters as big as you'd like them to be. If you have one person in a panel and they're in a background and they just happen to kind of penetrate into the panel above them, you can actually make them an appropriate size to what you would like to show. If you have to squeeze them into that little tiny panel, it's a surprisingly large amount that you have to reduce their size. Would you agree, Marcus? I think when it comes to artwork breaking the frames, I like to do it when there's a purpose for doing it. Sure. So like there's, okay, for example, there's a frame where he's in front of the cave holding the, the, the U, that's what they call it, right? Mm -hmm. Not sheep, but U. Mm -hmm. And um, he's holding up the U to the trolls. So as he's holding it outward and upward, it makes sense to me that he breaks the frame. And then sure. the next page, he's holding his fist out and it breaks the frame. Sure. There's a couple of frames in here where I feel like he does it, but there, it is not really necessary. There's one frame in here where he does it where I actually, it looked weird to me when, mm -hmm. he, when he breaks the frame with the tongue of one of the trolls. It looks like it's licking its own forehead in the, in the frame below mm, it. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> um, like a little band tangent so there. So it can be a really, really great tool. Um, I just, But it's a powerful tool, so I, it has I, to be used carefully. Exactly. I prefer to yeah. use it when there's a really good reason for sure, it. Sure, sure. But I think that my takeaway is that, you know, no, it's not a perfect comic, but there's like no perfect comics, really. No, no. But the... Unless he, I make one. Right, of course, because you're perfect. John did such a good job in this comic of the layout. The layout was really excellent. It was very dynamic camera angles, really good uses of sort of unique and interesting frame shapes, and then breaking through the panels at times, by and large, very successfully. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was really just like the layout was really well done. As far as I mean, visual storytelling, there was never a point in the comic where I was like, I didn't know what was going nope. on. No, I, I got it the not entire way through. I think what I'm taking away from it, based off what we said so far in this podcast, is that in the very beginning, when he's introducing the character and starting everything, it's not the strongest. But once the action starts, mm -hmm. it picks up and it's it's a really, really good story from there. From well, forward. and Doss's character design is awesome. I mean, just totally awesome. The hair, the facial hair, the, you know, the robes and everything. There's just so much opportunity for just dynamic, interesting angles. And it's just really cool. You yeah. know, you know, anytime you have a character that has a lot of fabric on them, you can do some fun stuff. Always. I wanted to come back and talk a little bit about the cover because the cover is amazing and I need a poster of it really bad. Yes. So the cover, not only is it really gorgeous and full color, 
The rest of the comic, however, aside from maybe one or two pages, is not color. The first page with just the black page and just his face. That was cool. The color in that looks really, really amazing. And I kind of wish that it was colored throughout now, just because I know that he can do amazing colors. Yeah, you know, I'm kind of torn about that. I like color in comics, but I also really enjoy a good black and white comic. And I think that it's nice when someone does that well, which is increasingly rare. I think that a lot of the time people depend on rendering and color because it's cheap and inexpensive. And I'm not going to say easy because it's not easy and it, that's totally not true. But I guess it'll be maybe a little bit more forgiving because you can do it on the computer, right? You don't have to pay for a bunch of paint. You don't have to pay for a bunch of markers. You don't have to put a mark down and then live with it. You can fiddle and fiddle and fiddle until it's just right. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of like when someone's like, no, I'm not going to depend on that to raise the quality level of things. I'm going to do it all black and white and gray tones, really, because this one uses a lot of gray tones. Tone-wise, it reminds me a little bit of Zots and that it's all blacks and grays and whites, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but this was all very clearly rendered on the computer, I think. And I want to yeah. say, like, I don't think the black and white was uh, a mistake. Just that one page. It just makes you want more middle, of the color, right? It's yeah. really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was so thinking pretty. like, wow, you know, the coloring's great. But at the same time, I think it works better as a black and white. Yeah, I'm glad it's black There's and white. so much detail there that I think some of it would get lost mm. if it was in color. I don't know. Did any of you get to read the um, Christmas three-page thing? That was crazy. That was in full color, had all the detail, and it still looked friggin' Yeah, John was really generous. And he sent us uh, something that they're going to release on on the App Store as just a little fun thing. It was like a couple pages, uh, sort of like the DOS, you know, Happy Christmas, everybody. And it had one of DOS sort of wrangling some elves is what it looks like. And, and, (laughs) And they, that whole thing is totally done in color, and it's beautiful. Yeah. Really beautiful. And he calls them Yule rates. I think that's <laughs> the best thing I have ever heard. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. Uh, I was going to say there's some funny stuff on the cover. I really thought that it was pretty hilarious how they have the troll just kind of <clears throat> right behind him. And then and then Doss is very carefully adjusted right in front of the nasty, hairy troll junk. <laughs> so that we don't have to see troll junk on the cover. Um, and then I also, if you really look in, I thought it was kind of funny how there's one... One of the sheep is like getting sick off the side of the boat. <laughs> it's just, it's, it has everything that I like a cover to have. I like for me to be able to sit and really look at and appreciate the cover, like a good poster. There's a lot of information there. There's a lot to, to appreciate. I'm not saying that I want a cover to be congested. A simple, well done, sort of noir style cover is just as good, I feel. But I really do like when I can really sit back and just enjoy the cover instead of it just be sort of like visual storytelling information. Like it's nice for a cover to really be something where you can really dig into and there's, you can unpack all the things that are going on in it and subtle choices and design pieces and the color. And I like the choice to have a setting sun. It allows for this sort of blast of orange and warm yellowy sort of colors to come through and highlight things that normally wouldn't be highlighted, you know, because you've got the troll behind him who's just this big hulking rock-like creature and then you've got Doss in his dark robes, and right? And you wouldn't probably see much a of Bible that detail. That's just doing something more awesome than awesomeness. Exactly. And so you've got you've got this. You've got really you've got kind of two light sources. But the yeah. nice to have a light source kind of casting light across the side allows John to be able to reasonably do a bunch of extra rendering with the highlights of things to be able to tell a lot more detail about his cloak and his you know and the. All the information. I just thought it was really cool to make that choice to have sort of like a side angled, really bright light source. It worked out well. I have just noticed the title is in the uh, same font as the kiss. Yes. yes. S's. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, very metal. <laughs> metal. 
Das! <laughs> From Ask a Metalhead. Yeah, Justin Woods would appreciate, yes. I thought that the pen touches were really very handsome and very bold and confident, and they worked really well. The comic goes a long way to not be cluttered looking for a comic that has so much information. You know, just like visual information. There's all these little pen touches and adjustments and renders and shadings and all that kind of stuff in there. And it's just such a beautiful, complex comic, but it doesn't feel congested. In comparison to what we reviewed last week, Zot's Serpent and Shield, where Daniel Parada likes to render every single detail. Mm-hmm. This one, John renders just the details you need, and but like really fully well rendered. And there's still a lot of information there, but it's still... It doesn't feel busy, and it doesn't feel like there's too much information on there. Some of Daniel's pages felt a little bit like, oh, it's just sort of a lot to look at, you know? Whereas this, I never felt sort of... Some comics feel sort of oppressive almost in just the amount of information on the page. Even if it's just a single picture, single panel, sometimes it's just like, oh my god. Like, it's going to take some time for me to just, like, figure out what's happening here. To me, it always felt very open and breathy, which I like in a comic. I like for my comic and the comic layout and the frames and everything to not feel congested. And that's not something that happens here, even though there is a obscene amount of detail available to us. So I thought that was really impressive. Other thoughts, you guys? No, no I think, I I think we've covered, covered everything. Yeah, pretty good. I can't wait for episode two. There were two more things I wanted to talk about with the art. Number one, how awesome is that map on the first page? That was good. Very right? cool. It looked like it belonged in Middle Earth or something. I mean, complete with the serpent and everything mm-hmm. and... Like just uh, there's something about cartography that's really cool, and the old-fashioned maps like that that are just all hand-drawn are really rad. Mm-hmm. I just like I liked the way that we started that. It set a tone, it set a feel mm-hmm. right out of the get-go. Had a good texture on it. Too. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it was really well done. I liked that map a lot. I you know I have haven't read the Lord of the Rings books, but they have maps like that too. And oh yeah, they have maps in uh, the Dark Tower series mm-hmm. by Stephen King, so you can follow where Roland's going. And I remember liking maps back from. Uh, when you get the first Teddy Ruxpin book. Yeah, there's just, there's something cool about having a map. It just, yeah. it makes it feel real, you know? Yeah. And uh, I think the final thing that I wanted to mention is the scene where Doss is in front, uh, or Doss Metal! No, so, so where Doss, Doss is standing in front Doss. of the... Ah. <laughs> uh, he's standing in front of the ogre's den, right? Or the troll's den. And uh, it's just this rocky mountain with this gaping entrance... And it's it's really a gorgeous scene. It's this kind of thing that I would be down to have like on a poster. I'd love to see it all colored up and or whatever, but it was just beautiful. But the thing that I thought was so cool about that was that it illustrated the size of the ogre really well. Because the opening, if you just look at it, if you look at that image, you're like, oh, that's a cave opening. But it could be kind of of any size. But then they show how tiny Doss is with the two sheep just dwarfed by the immensity of this giant yawning opening and there's just something kind of ominous about the size it's almost like st- have you guys ever stood really close to something massive like stood close to a huge or like been in the in a boat in the water next to a giant ship or something there's yes. just something kind of creepy and ominous and powerful about that and this communicated that really well so any final thoughts about the art or we pretty much covered everything you guys he's got a good possibility for merch oh dude yeah. right yeah Actually, I wanted to recommend that you guys check out some of his websites. They are not in English, <laughs> oh. but uh, if you go Google translate, if you go to great. if you go to Daz, that's D A Z Z dot N O, you can go to their official website there, and then you can go to facebook.com dot com forward slash hair Das H E R R D A S S, 
And on that, there's all kinds of fun little sketches. And I mean, I couldn't read a damn thing, but you can like it, which you should, because it's awesome. If you enjoyed it, you should always like someone's Facebook page, show them that you appreciate them, even if it's in a different language. But what was really neat, and I enjoyed a lot thumbing through the Facebook page, is that there was a bunch of sketches and production work and a couple pictures here and there. And then he actually had some like digital versions like he had a digital DOS. He had a digital DOS like standing in this field. So they had some like cool like little sprite versions of him and stuff. So there's just some really neat stuff and some pictures of merch and stuff. So anyway, so again, you can go to the App Store on any iOS device and search DOS. That's D-A-S-S. And for $1.99 only, you can download this excellent comic and enjoy the hell out of it just like we did. We highly recommend it. Definitely gets the Panda Manga approval. Agreed. Well, thanks for listening to Geek Life. We always love to hear from our listeners. Please email us at geeklife@panamanga.com with your questions, comments, and insights. Anyone interested in becoming a PM contributor can visit our contact page at contact.pandamanga.com and fill out the form located there. Music has been provided by AirPlus Recordings. As always, links to the artists and songs in this episode are located in the show notes at podcast.pandamanga.com. For more information about AirPlus Recordings, visit airplusrecordings.com. This is Marcus for Geek Life. See you next time. Bring me two sheep and a little boy. <laughs> and somebody to carry it. <laughs> I need two sheep and a little boy. Isn't that how the Michael Jackson <laughs> started? <laughs>